Welcome to This Good Word, where every week we look at one single word in an endless discovery of reclaiming what's holy about our humanity. My name is Steve Weens. I'm a pastor, I'm a writer, and I'm a father of three crazy boys. My hope with this podcast is to create an environment where you can continually discover who you actually are in the world. So feel free to check out my website at steveweens.com, S-T-E-V-E-W-I-E-N-S.com, where you can find links to my blog, to purchase my book, which is called Beginnings, The First Seven Days of the Rest of Your Life, and also links to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Hey friends, here we are, episode 53. I'm here with Dave Hickman. Dave wrote a great book called Closer Than Close, and it's really all about what it means to stop trying so hard to earn God's love and approval and to understand that you're already there. Dave talks with all kinds of passion and heart. He's a really, really smart person who's been through a whole lot. He has Tourette's, OCD, ADHD, and he has found God to be the lover of his soul. Uh, This conversation was really, really fun for me. So I hope you enjoy it. Dave Hickman, you can find all about him on davehickman.org. You can buy his book, Closer Than Close, uh, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can get it on his website, davehickman.org. And you can also uh, download the first chapter and intro for free if you go to closerthanclosebook.com. So enjoy this conversation with Dave Hickman. Hey everybody, here we are, episode 53 of This Good Word. I'm here with Dave Hickman. Hello, Dave. Hey, Steve. How are you? Man, I'm good. So, so good to um, have you on the show. Uh, Dave just wrote a book called Closer Than Close. And uh, for anyone who is a Brennan Manning, Henry Nowen fan, who anyone who's grown up in a religious system where you tried mm. hard mm. and then gave up and tried hard and gave up and tried hard and gave up, this is your book. Mm. Um, Dave, Dave's going to share a story, but uh, it's just, it's, it's, a story that many of us are going to be familiar with, at least parts of it, about trying so hard to be close to God, to be affirmed by God, and then coming up short, and um, and and then breaking through to find um, to find out what intimacy really is. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about that. But Dave, uh, he founded a, th- a network called Charlotte One, which is a network of churches for people in their twenties and thirties. All around uh, Charlotte and in the the East Coast, I, mm-hmm. I, I assume, right, Dave? Yeah. Uh, you got out of that in, in a few years ago. Now you're the president of Apartment Life, and just talk about what that is, because I found the vision to this uh, for this to be pretty sweet. 
No, it is, and I'm the president of the Mid-Atlantic. We okay. um, So Apartment Life's been around for 16 years, started by a guy named Stan Dobbs out of Dallas or close to Dallas. And uh, what we do is is we do resident retention services uh, for apartment communities and resident experiences. Um, we place a team of two on site on the property who head up all of the events. Uh, they do three events a month welcome visits, renewal visits, and through that community and living on the ground floor of people's lives, just able to, to encourage them and um, hopefully take, take a bit of the love of Christ with them there. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like, like how, to, how to love your neighbor in a, in a really kind of organic but systematic way. Yeah, um, that's exactly what it is. Love that. Uh, okay, so um, Phil, a guy named Phil Anderson wrote the foreword to your book, and um, what I understand is that you got to a point, Dave, in your own life where you realized you needed some major help, and so you got a hold of Phil, and then you started meeting with him. So just kind of uh, talk us through what that point was where you realized, man, I need help, and why you reached out to Phil. Well, I, I think back to when I was, and, and this will be short, but when I was eight, uh, two things happened. Number one, I, it was my first experience with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, my sister asked me, uh, have you invited Christ into your life? And I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're right and about she, this. It's a great, yeah, yeah, she said, well, we'll go to your room, shut the door, and get on your knees and ask Jesus to come to your heart. And, and that's what I did as, a, as an eight-year-old child. And in that moment, um, Jesus uh, really caught me by surprise. And um, I was, I, I felt, I felt compassion and a love. So it was a real marker. The second one was I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome when I was eight. And uh, for those who don't know, Tourette's syndrome is a neurological disorder that causes a person to tick and tethered to that is OCD and ADHD, not PhD yet. Not quite sure. <laughs> Although I hear, I hear that that's a mental disorder as well. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so so those two things together and particularly with, with the, uh, the relationship, I was I was told growing up in the church, and I don't know about your listeners, Steve, but I was told that the the point of the Christian life was to draw closer and closer and closer to Jesus over time. And the way that I was to do that, as communicated to me, was to do things like pray and read my Bible and go to church. And if I was faithful to those things and didn't do things I shouldn't do and all of that, then I could grow into this closeness with the person of Jesus. And and that coupled with my OCD and my Tourette's and uh, different things just was a Molotov cocktail for the soul. Yeah. And it, my performance-based identity of trying to get closer to this ever-elusive God and the frustration of living with depression and anxiety and self-guilt and self-condemnation just led to this moment at 33 four years ago where I had a real massive panic attack at two o'clock in the morning. And as a former athlete, I played baseball in college. You know, you pride yourself on being in control of your physical body. Yeah. You know, you can run, you can push it. You, you make your physical body do what you need to do, hand-eye coordination. And it's a scary place where you can't control how your body's responding to something. And uh, it was at that point that I knew I needed help. And so I did turn to two men. I talk about them in the book. One of them's Phil Anderson, who, uh, if you wonder why I love Brennan so much, Phil was a part of uh, the Notorious Sinners 
Brendan Manning's group that would he talks about uh, in his book All Is Grace. Yep. Phil was 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 really Brendan's protege in in in, in um, a lot of ways, and so he he channeled Brenning to me for about a year, and I sat with that. And, um, through that was I, I kept hearing him use this phrase called union with Christ, and I had no idea no idea what he was talking about. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so in the forward, Phil writes um, that mm. you write with raw honesty about years spent huffing and puffing to get closer to mm. God. And so kind of fill in the blanks there a little bit more than you did even. So we get, you know, you're eight. And then what I assume is you got plugged into a youth group and you got plugged into church, you got plugged into ministry, and you're even, you're probably teaching a lot of this stuff. Get closer to God, oh. get closer to God, get closer to God. And even as you, even as maybe people hear us say that, people might go, well, what's, I mean, what's wrong with that? Isn't that the goal? Right. right? Um, so describe the difference that you, and you do it so well in the book. And the book is called Closer Than Close. Again, Dave Hickman, uh, you can get it anywhere right now. Go online, DaveHickman.com. You can get it in Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Mm-hmm. But um, you describe the difference between relationship and union. Could you mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Well, we say that we're to have a, a relationship with Jesus. But none of us can answer the question, what type of relationship? Yeah, yeah. And no one tells us what type. Right, right. It's a very, think about it, Steve, how relative is that term? It's very subjective. What yeah. is it? What, what exactly are you talking about? I mean, if we're talking about eternity hangs in the balance on a relationship, then what is it exactly? And right. so then what we have done is we place other relative terms like close yep yep what the hell is close how is your walk with god is it close are, are you i don't know intimate mother Teresa's far from god could very well be the closest i could ever dream of getting right. are we graded on a curve right like what's a close relationship well you know it means blah, 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 blah. It, well, no so but 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 what the bible does particularly in in the gospel of john and in paul's letters um they give us the answer, and the type of relationship that Christ longs to have with us is defined as a union yeah. or a one flesh union with the risen flesh and blood, living, breathing, food digesting person of Jesus Christ. Yes. And, yeah, go ahead. Well, and how, when, first of all, how did that begin to sink in for you mm, in a way that mm, was experiential, mm. not just cerebral? Well, again, I grew up in a in a form of Christianity that stressed a close relationship with Jesus, and, to, yeah. and, and that was to be achieved by works, uh, which sounds very like, what's wrong with that? Uh, the problem was, is when I did the things I should, I my heart still longed to be closer. Yeah. And when I didn't do the things I shouldn't, I felt far from him, yeah. and uh, when I really did the things I shouldn't, I didn't know <laughs> if he wanted to have a relationship with me at all. Right. right. Uh, but something really, really crazy happened. I talk about it in chapter two of the book. It was when my first son was born, Ryan. Um, I, I'm a bit of a helpless romantic, and with my Tourette comes, you know, I'm very tactile and sensory. And when I saw my first son born, which was a uh, something you can never get out of your mind. Look away. Right. Sorry. <laughs> I went to him 
as a doctor was holding him in his arms, sucking the goo out of his nose. And something in me wanted to be so very close to my son. And in many ways, it was an expression of what my heart always longed to have with Jesus, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I picked my son my, my son up. He's moments out of the womb, and I stuck my nose in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And I inhaled his breath. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that is the deepest thing in him that came literally from in him, I wanted in the deepest parts of me. Wow. And I remember holding his breath in my chest in this dizzy sense of wonder that that's exactly the type of intimacy I had always longed to have with Jesus. And so then I I, I breathed back my breath or our shared breath at that point back into him. And we just had this this really cool moment of sharing this same breath. And Steve, I've never heard a voice in my life, but I heard one that day. And I know that sounds spooky and irrational, it, but it, was, it wasn't it was audible. It was too clear to be audible. And the voice said this. And then again, this is after years of striving to be close to Jesus. He said this, that's it, David. You've got it. Wow. Like and you're right there. It dissipated. It was gone. Mm-hmm. But I I didn't think that. I wasn't trying to think that. You know, I don't think that was all. I don't think that was the enemy. That's it, David. You've got it. And it was such a carefree, like a thin curtain flapping lazily in the wind. Just it was so true and real. And and I said, that's it. That is what I've been looking for. And uh, and that that really that moment really captured my imagination with what if Jesus wants to be as close to me, not as close as possible. But what if he wants something more? What if he wants to be perfectly one with me? And that just troubled me, and it uh, encouraged me at the same time. That's beautiful. I love that picture of you and your son. I mean, that's such a, uh, and even just the you know the breath, the ruach mm-hmm. is is that's that's all over the scriptures. It's all over the uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and so I love that that was just a picture of mm-hmm. of how you understood um, this this invitation. And how I how I hear you say it is is like the invitation is not to come closer; it's to understand you're already there. To understand yes. you're there. You're there, there's nothing you can do to get closer. There's nothing you can do to get further away. You're just you are already there. You're one. You yeah. cannot be any more one with someone. Yes. When I entered into a marriage union with my wife in 2002. That's the same union we share today. Nothing's changed. We haven't we haven't become more one. Right, right. We're like 99.9% one and we're going to grow over the course to really become one. No, we are one. And so my my relationship with my wife is not one of growing closer to her. Mm. We have to watch our semantics. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the marriage life or the Christian life is the ongoing deepening of our awareness of mm. how close we already are. Yeah. What it means to be one with another person. And so for so many of your listeners I know and, and so many of my friends, we spend so much time, as Phil says, huffing and puffing to try to maintain a close and personal relationship with Jesus. When all along, as you said, Richard Orr said it best, we begin having already arrived. Yep. 
We're and if that's there. true, we're, uh, we're already there. Steve, I felt duped. When yeah. I found that out, I felt, I mean, I was mad. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily mad at, at the church, but I was mad that no one had ever preached that type of intimacy. I, I grew up and I never heard the word union and Christ used in the same sentence. Wow. It was always close relationship with Jesus. And as a cusper, almost a millennial, I had never seen a real healthy relationship. See, that's... So even the, that phraseology confused me. But you know what the deepest thing of my, of my heart was? I wanted to be one with another person in marriage. So that longing alone, I was open to and, and, and wanted deeply. But a relationship with someone else I really wasn't interested in. Wow. And did you find, uh, Dave, that because I think when the longing goes that deep, the longing for oneness, did you find in you a kind of a come close, stay away for, for, for some of the people in your life? Like, I mean, I'm just thinking, I think I share that same desire of like, I want to be known and cherished. Mm. And yet I, f I think that's co-mingled with a fear that mm. if they really, and I don't even, like if I, I was going to say if they really knew me, they wouldn't really love me. But I can't even, like I can't say because of this secret, if they only knew this secret. For me, it's like this really bizarre, just, I don't even know why they wouldn't, but they probably would, you know. So <laughs> I have to put up all this, all I have to achieve and I have to, you know, write great books or do mm -hmm. all these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to earn it. And if we're doing that with other people, we're certainly doing that with God, right? I mean, we're mm -hmm. certainly, mm -hmm. and I, and I wonder if, and I don't want to, you know, I think, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pastor. You have been one, are one. I, I, um, who knows? Who okay. knows at this point, Steve? <laughs> so I, lots of empathy for us, right? Sympathy. Yeah, right. But yeah. I often wonder, like, do we even unconsciously create a message of you got to get closer to God as sort of leverage, you know, because if we said you're already there, then they don't need us. Right. I mean, and I don't believe that really, but I think they need religious systems thrive on religious leaders uh, creating leverage so that people feel like they need their pastors in order to get closer to God. And it's just not true. I don't know how far down the rabbit hole of Dave Hickman you want to go in here <laughs> and what go. you're willing to publish. But Let's you know, go. I believe as long as we can keep people striving, we can sell books, yeah. we can down, uh, people will download sermons, and they'll keep coming Sunday after Sunday. Um, and I'm not but, – but again, but, but listen to this, though. We're, that desire is only satiated when we come into this – the awareness of our union with Christ. Yeah. Um, and and so they may while they they do need a pastor we do need a pastor because in the book I talk about the need of having guides yeah. the need of having mentors who has journeyed in the bright abyss and the beauty and the wonder of what it means to be united to Christ and can help lead us in us lead in and through that I just think uh, in modern day Western expressions of the gospel we have been dominated by spatial language, close, uh, near. You know, there's several worship songs out right now that is begging, begging 
draw me closer to you. Yeah. Draw me closer to you. And again, while the song taps into that fundamental longing, it's missing the point. Yes. And the point is, that's no longer our heart's cry. But now we can rejoice and be glad and celebrate a God that has come and crossed all boundaries through the incarnation to be closer than close to us, to be one with us, and now we are joined to him. So, again, these songs tap into our longing. But, but again, the truth of the matter is we, are, we can't be any closer to God than we already are. We have been made one with the Father, Son, and Spirit. Yes. I love it. Love your passion. So here's a, here's a follow-up question. So when Dave Hickman, and you know, you don't have to name it, but let's say you wake up in the morning and you realize the day before you've done your signature sin. You've done it again. There it is. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. And it hits you like a ton of bricks. In this understanding of union with Christ, what do you do to re like to remember that, okay, now I don't have to earn it again. I'm already there. It's what Martin Luther called the happy exchange. Mm. He talks about when when uh, Christ takes what is ours and gives us what is his. Yes. And so in this ongoing perpetual union we have with Christ, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, the Son incarnate, is takes my sin. Even the moment in which I do it, because we're, I'm one with him, I, Paul says, I have, I have been and continue to be crucified with Christ on the cross. If, in fact, Jesus represents all of humanity in the incarnation, and I've been united to him in his person, I continue in God's understanding of time. I am, conti- I am on the cross even now, so I can thank Jesus that Jesus you gladly take that which is not yours, and that is my sin. And in that, you heal it. And you give me that which is not mine by virtue of my union with you. Thank you. Forgive me for my rebellion. I don't want to do that. I don't want that sin to be against you. Hmm. But thank you for receiving it. And so, so again, it's this, I don't think time can really capture what's going on with us in Christ and seated with him in the heavenlies even now and what it means to be united to his person even 2,000 years ago in his flesh and his blood as he walked around the earth and and died for us, were baptized with him, all of these things. These are present tense realities that have happened in the past. And so from, I, I hope that's clear, but for me, I get swept up in wonder even in the midst of my sin, that, wow, even in that, you absorb that sin into your own self, and in it, you, you heal it, and you forgive me, and, you, and you've promised to never leave me, and you've promised to never forsake me, and you even said what you joined together, let no man separate, yeah. that nothing can separate me from the love of, of, of Christ, you know, uh, um, in you. Paul yeah. wasn't being metaphorical. Yeah. We talked about that in the banana stand, you know. He meant that at the most. <laughs> well, we did. We didn't talk about that. We need yeah. to. We need to uh, go to the I banana hope, stand. I hope, I hope that answers your question. Does, it does. does that help? No, it helps big time. And where I went when you were talking was a few minutes ago. You said our language has been way too spatial, you know, mm-hmm. near, close. And mm-hmm. what I heard you just say is we need to be more temporal 
you know, is, mm. is, is to understand that in some mysterious way, the cross happened, is happening, and will happen, and I can join the work that is ongoing. It's always beginning. It's yes. always becoming. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I, I was reading uh, Jurgen Moltmann, I remember, and I, as I was reading your book, and he had mentioned how the incarnation is still this moment of becoming. Yes. You yes. know, and, and it reminded me of your wonderful and great book. So, yes, mm. it's an action that happened in the past that continues to have implication today. Yeah. There's a, it's like that it began a storyline, an arc that is still going, that we can still participate in. So I like that. I mean, that's that's going to give me something to, something to think about, mm. the spatial versus temporal. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, you know, kind of a kairos Yes, temporalness in that of this this explosion of potential every time we it, sin. It, yeah, every time we, that's sin. that's what I was gonna say. Every time we sin, we can right. say, yes. <laughs> "Okay, the happy exchange." No, and you're totally right. And of you know, it's like oh, immediately someone's gonna say, "Well, wait a minute, are you are you rejoicing in your sin?" And it's like, no, I mean, I no, it's it's not. I'm not, but I'm rejoicing in this radical grace that when I get it, it's unbelievable. Read yeah. Romans. Yeah, I would say to that person, yeah. that's the very same response that Paul's audience had yep. Yep. to the gospel he proclaimed. Yeah, to the union he proclaimed. Yeah. Are you saying, as some, some say, <laughs> yeah. that I'm saying? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That you can sin all the more, so grace may abound. Like his message was so grace filled that intelligent people yeah. walked away from the conversation thinking that's what he said. Yeah. He's just giving us license to sin. That's no, it breaks yeah. my ever loving heart. Yeah. When I when I know that 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 I have acted and chose to act in such a way that 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 it kill he kills me with kindness. Yeah. Because he doesn't condemn me for it, but he willingly absorbs it and takes it upon himself. Well, I think I think you know sometimes we try to make the thing of like, well, the 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 comparison like well you know if your wife forgave you for cheating on her you know and you really loved her would you keep cheating on her i mean that's sort of sort of ridiculous but also like if your kids if you continually like rejected your kids and yelled at them and they continually forgave you somehow some way so someone would walk in and go okay it's this is now no longer about you yelling at your kids or not I don't think you love your kids. I mean, mm. I mean, that's what it would be about. Like, like, what would it take for you to realize that 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 this is the same kid that you breathed into their mouth? And you know, um, so my I think, kids yeah. disobey me. Yeah. I have three boys. Yes, and so and they disobey me at least one hundred times a day. Yes, at least one hundred. Yes. Now I put that in the book, and, and Zimmerman made me. Uh, uh, soften it a little bit. Um, you can read where that happened because he didn't want me. He didn't want me to be so honest. But do I stomp back to my room where I have to let my anger blow off before I want to love them again? You know, I mean, uh, do I throw them out after disobeying me a hundred times? Again, this is the radical, yeah, the the, the scary freedom that the grace of God. Yeah. Uh, provides for us but not a freedom to continue in it not a freedom but right. a con- but because he 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 disciplines those he loves as his children 
it says in the scripture. So again, it's this very parental, yeah. never giving up, always going to be here. You're not as bad as you think. You're yeah. worse. You're yeah, exactly, exactly. But you're loved more than than you could ever imagine. Yeah. And I'm telling you, Steve, that breaks the desire to sin. Yeah, and, and that's where mercy, mercy, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Meaning, the way I translate that is, is um, God wants you to come with your sin and say, I can, I can no longer not do this. Yes. Not not like, oh, I'm going to white knuckle it. I'm going to try so hard. God, I promise I'm going to try so hard. I promise you'll never do this again. No, 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 no. God longs to give mercy, which is a tender affection. And that mm-hmm. is, I, I totally agree. That's, that's, for me, that's the only thing, even in the human realm, that starts to get me to want to change is this affection. And it's not, that's not soft. That's, that can be powerful. Oh, it's the most powerful thing in the world. If I'm in an argument with my wife and I've been a butthole to her and she comes to me apologizing. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. I am like, I melt into a, a, a heap yeah. of, of, I don't know what. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry too. And yeah. I, I didn't mean that either. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah, kindness leads to repentance. Yep, that's it. All right, I want to ask you, um, so also in your book, you suggest four practices or four disciplines which i loved because they're really not i mean they're they're atypical so the first one is doing nothing the next one is praying simply the next one is staying attentive and the next one is being led so that's i want to say it again because i think you know for many of us disciplines we got to go to church four times a week we got to pray 70 hours a day we got to, and already you can hear the try hard try hard try hard so when i read when i read those four from your book, none of them feel like trying hard. Doing nothing, the discipline of doing nothing. So talk, talk, talk about that. I laugh only because like it's so beautiful. The discipline of doing nothing. What do you mean by that? Oh, it's funny. People will go, "Well, I can do that one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I say, "Can you?" I know. Yeah, yeah. So talk about it. What What do you well, mean by that? Well, theologically, as you know, this Steve, in, in your time spent in Genesis, you know, theolo- out of nothing. God created. Yeah. And so it's on good theological soil that it's out of nothing in the stillness in which God creates. Yeah. Um, in James, he talks about the farmer waits for the rain to bring forth the crop. So again, the seed has to fall, as Jesus talks about as well, uh, and, and, and die yep. and, be, and enter into this stillness. Watchman Nee in his classic sit, walk, stand talks about the first thing we have to do is to sit yep. before we can walk and stand. And by sitting, he means to do nothing. So what does it mean to do nothing? I think Brendan Manning, again, beautifully points this out. He says this in Obvious Child. He says, failure to simply be with the Father as the beloved without doing anything is to gouge the heart out of Christianity. Wow. Failure to simply be with the Father as the beloved without doing anything is to gouge the heart out of Christianity. It's a lot easier, Steve, to believe that I am accepted of God when I'm doing everything for Him. Yep. It's the hard work of faith to plop my butt down 
just as I am, whatever I've been through, and sit down in stillness and believe by faith that God loves me and accepts me just as I am. That's the hard work of faith. Same thing with praying simply. It's easy for me to believe that if I pray these emotionally charged sentences Mm -hmm. that move me to joy or remorse, that some way God's own emotions will be moved like mine, by which he will then give ear and really understand what it is I'm trying to say and how sorry I am. Because I'm emotional. But But in reality, he bids us to pray simply. The disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, you can pray. Therefore, you can pray simply. Why? Because your father knows your needs. Again, it comes back to this intimate union between a father and a son and a father and a daughter, a father and a child. Uh, you know, and the Lord's Prayer is known for its semantics. And it's funny. We've idolized the semantics, but the point is the simplicity. Yeah. He, yeah. he models for us a 30-second prayer. So pray simply. Um, and then staying attentive. You know, just we, we can go about very busy in our Christian walk to the point where we just miss the beautiful things that God's doing in and through our wives, our children, uh, and in the discipline of being led that there are others who have walked this path. And we need to be desperate enough to follow. And they have a lot to teach us. So good. This is so good. Um, And you're right. I mean, you could say that's simple. I want to argue, and you just said it, it's hard. It's the hard work of faith to sit and do nothing and look out your window and and not try to earn the approval. And I'm going to tell you, Dave, like my, uh, on the Enneagram, I don't know if you're an Enneagram nerd like I am. So I am an unforgivable three. I am. I get all my worth and value by succeeding, by being approved of. I'll work so hard to 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 get that approval, and I think some of my honestly, like some of my hardest work, is to show up and and like refrain from saying something on Facebook and um, refrain from getting seven things done right away in the morning. Um, because in 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 it all it all ties back to this desperate longing that I have for to be cherished, to be loved, mm-hmm. to be liked, and mm-hmm. and so and I and I know I mean that's kind of the American vice. It's kind of the American sin of succeed at all costs, and that's how you're going to be okay. So, what would mm. you say to a person you know like me in terms of? a first step toward um, toward resting, toward soaking in the love of God, toward realizing that I'm already there. Repenting. Besides, read your book. Repenting? Yeah. Repenting of your work? Yeah. Um, I remember I was sitting with Phil and was said exactly what you just said. And as I had been plopped onto this pristine, white, sandy beach of union, that's, that's the only way I could describe it. There were no footprints. There was really no expectations. I was fully loved and accepted in the beloved, and it was highly personal and integrated with my own personality and how, you know. And and I said, what? I said, Phil, what? What should I? What does Jesus want me to do in this new life? And he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, I think he would say, 
what do you want to do? Mm. And in some weird way, I knew he was right. And he said, I think what you're doing now, David, you're entering into a time of repentance mm. of all of your years of doing, mm. all of your years of striving. And here you're already asking the question a few months into this awakening, what should I do? Mm. And he and, and I was and he was like, you know what? It's OK to take a couple of years to do nothing. Yeah. And I had never heard that. Yeah. It's okay. And you know what? I can tell you on the backside of those two years, I quote grew more in my understanding of the nature of God who I spent, I have two great, I have two degrees in theology. I've read enough Bible. Yeah. I've preached enough sermons. Yeah. I took a year longer and did nothing and was forced to believe that when I wake up and I take a shower, that even in this moment, Christ is present. I'm one with him. He's, he's enjoying even through my own senses, the warmth of the, of, of the water and his creation, you know, and I'm, and I'm a living sacrifice, you know, joining, joining him in, in recreating the earth, you know, and just through my simple presence in it. And that's what I say in the book, God gets more glory out of our simple presence in life as opposed to our steadfast performance within it. Hmm. And until we are captured with that, nothing ever is going to change. Yep. You're going to stay on the treadmill. And, and so, you know, my, my real deep desire is, that as people interact with the book and I try to share as many just stories as possible from my journey that in it, they'll, that they too will awaken to the, the freedom they have with Christ. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful book and <clears throat> I know, I mean, I can, I can see your face, but I can hear the passion that you have. Uh, and in fact, I wish this was a video podcast because the, the amount of times you raised your hand, you got so <laughs> th- th- this is coming from the depths of your soul. And so um, I'm going to encourage people that are listening, honestly, get this book and go to DaveHickman.com. Actually, here's because I, I believe in 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 this message in this book so much. We're going to give two books away. Uh, I have two books right here in my hot little hand. And so uh, here's how you can win one of these books. I'll mail it to you. If you go to closerthanclosebook.com and you give your email to Dave, you're going to get the intro and chapter one of this book for free. And then if you want the rest of the book for free, I'm going to give the first two people that email me at steve at steveweens.com what Dave's favorite Aerosmith song is that he that he writes <laughs> about uh, right there in the intro or first chapter. If you correctly answer the uh, the answer, what is Dave's? What is the song from Aerosmith that Dave claims is his favorite song? Again, go to closerthanclosebook.com. Uh, you, you just give your email. You'll get the intro and and the first chapter. Read them, and if you're the first two people to email me at steve at steveweens.com. I will send you that book, and it's signed. Uh, Dave signed it, so uh, it's mm. fantastic. Um, yeah. Dave. One other thing: um, if they do pre-order the book, um, and and they send me the receipt, if they emailed me the receipt at bonuses, 
bonuses at davehickman.org, I'll send them the prequel to Closer Than Close uh, called The Divine Mystery. And in that, I talk about more my living with Tourette syndrome and struggling with depression and anxiety and kind of all the things that uh, I couldn't fit into the book. So if, if, Beautiful. if, okay, if so. you email me the receipt... So bonuses, B-O-N-U-S-E-S at DaveHickman.com? Dot org. Dot org. Dot org, okay. Yeah, everything's dot org other than Facebook.com. Yeah, I'll send you the prequel for free. Okay. I'm going to put all that stuff on my show notes, you guys. So just if if you're wondering about what to do, just go to stevings.com slash blog, and you will find the show notes for episode 53 of This Good Word. Um. All right, David, I always end with this question, and it's this. Is there anything you wished I would have asked you that I didn't ask you? No. I feel like we had a – no. I, it was such a fun time to be with you, Steve, and I've been a fan and following you, and I enjoyed your book and uh, looking forward to continuing to become with you. Well, um, I feel the same way, man. Uh, just talking to you is so energizing uh, and gives me actually some good, some good work to do in my actual life around my actual struggle uh, with my union uh, and how I'm just I'm working hard. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Soren Kierkegaard once said that the definition of faith is this. I put this in the book. Accepting your own acceptance. Oh, wow. That's good. That takes faith. Accepting your acceptance. I like that. I will be thinking spend about that. The next, spend the next year having the faith to believe that. Yeah, yeah. And yes. That's, that's a great starting point. Yes, I mean, it 100% is. unequivocally, I, I've accepted my own acceptance. Yeah, yeah. Step one. Wow. That's Step so good, man. Um, all right. I, all right. So, we're gonna, so on the show notes, we'll put a link to buy the book. We'll put a link to get in on this free two book giveaway. <laughs> we'll put a link. Yep. We'll put a link to uh, getting the prequel by. <laughs> oh, before we leave, man, you got to tell the banana stand story. Are you? I'm gonna wear your readers out on. No, okay. dude, it's amazing. Okay, so, so any any. Uh, I'm an Arrested Development fan. Dave hooked me on on yep. on love for him because he is too. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, totally. Okay, so so in the book, I talk about this notion of in Christ, and oftentimes we think that means because of Christ or on account of Christ. Paul uses this little phrase, in Christ, 164 times. Now, what does he mean? He means in Christ, and to illustrate that, because uh, in Christ, he says, is salvation, justification, eternal life, all these things actually in him. So to illustrate that, I, I tell the story of the, the uh, Bluth family in Arrested Development and how the patriarch of the family, George B- Bluth Sr., was arrested for defrauding investors. And so he turns over the financial welfare of the family over to Michael, his son. And so Michael, distraught, not knowing how to provide for the family, uh, resurrects the family's only reliable source of income, and that was the Bluth banana, the Bluth frozen banana stand. Yeah. And no one knew the ins and outs better 
than Michael. George Senior. George right, 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 right. And so Michael went to George Senior, who was in prison, and said, "Dad, how do I make money with the banana stand?" And he said, and he would always assure his son, almost patronizingly, so, "There's always money in the banana stand." So Michael, with that affirmation, went out and he would work the banana stand. He put the whole family working to try to sell bananas to make sure that the banana stand could could produce the money needed. He would go back. It's not producing money. Son, there's money in the banana stand, the father would say. In a fit of rage, Michael burnt the banana stand down to the ground, disgusted with himself in his effort and what the banana stand did not produce. And he went back to his father and he said, Dad, I burnt it to the ground. And the father said, what? And he said, yep, Dad, it was my decision. It's, it's, it's down to the ground. And his father said, there was money in that banana stand. And, and Michael said, well, Dad, it's all gone now. And, and George Bluth looked at his son and he said, no, son, $250,000 was lining the walls of the banana stand. How much clearly can I tell you? There's money in the banana stand. And I think Paul, if he if he heard most contemporary sermons on salvation today, would stand up and say, it's in the person of Jesus. Yes. So the question is, how do we access something that's actually in another human being? Yeah. And that's yeah. through the Holy Spirit, who, according to Calvin, truly unites things separated by distance. Yep. Yep. And Richard Rohr is coming out with a book this fall, The Divine Dance, all about the Trinity. And I think uh, that's just going to be one for the ages. So, uh, all right. All right, man. So good to be with you, Dave. Closer than close. It's out. Buy it. Um, And get in touch with Dave by going to DaveHickman.org. And uh, all this stuff will be on the show notes, you guys. uh, Enjoy. So, Dave, we we end the podcast. I end the podcast by this little. mantra that we came up with based on what what I'm trying to do with the podcast. And that is, um, we are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy and we're in it together. So, so Mm -hmm. glad to be in it together with you, my friend, my fellow nav press author, we will be together face, face to face at some point soon. And we will laugh and, uh, maybe we can get an apartment together. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or at least going to business, you know, selling crows and bananas. So, mm-hmm. all right, Dave. Sure. Thanks, man. Peace. See you, buddy. Thanks. Bye.